This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramia. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on air community, and everyone's invited. Well, folks, I always have to check these days now. It's a Wednesday, midweek, and hopefully your week has been fantastic. Kelly McDonald here. Ramya Muthan over there. She's at the studio in Toronto. I'm at the home studio in London. How goes it today? Hello, Kelly. It goes well. How goes it with you? Excellent, excellent. Sitting here with the uh, bay shirt on, gray sports coat and fedora, and really settled back here in front of the, my backdrop of uh, the City of Toronto skyline and the CN Tower. And you're at the uh, main studio over there uh, with our beautiful set. That's right. Uh, sitting as per usual behind the white oblong table in front of me, shaped like a surfboard. Um, and behind me is the curtain with the Toronto skyline. I keep wanting to say the Canada skyline. I don't even know what that would look like, but you know, the Toronto skyline painted on it and with these lit up panels of purple and white. Now, did you say you have a sports coat on? Gray? Yes, yes. Ah, New today, cool. gray sports coat. Yes, we're matching um, with our, not with the colors, but with when we decide to wear jackets because I'm wearing a, a black jacket on top of a top as well. And yesterday, no jacket. Mm-mm. Yeah, me too. Me too. It's yeah. it's nice. It's it's nice to kind of have that variety and for us to be able to kind of play like that. I'm I'm thinking though back to what you said about a map of Canada and I think of the old big weather maps that I could remember yes. as a kid that I had enough vision to see then and they put these different things on it and I loved it being in the morning Canada AM would be on CTV and I'd oh wow and it had all these cool shapes. So uh, I like that and that helped me learn a lot of cities across Canada where people say to me, "How does that kid know about Kitchener, Ontario, mm. if he lives in Montreal. My God. Well, Rum, let's take a look at what we've got on the program today, if we will. Is crying actually good for you? Hmm. We're going to discuss this with reporter Grant Hardy today on his headline segment. Greg David is joining us as well to break down the new and returning TV shows that we have coming up in the next few weeks. Mm, that's going to be very interesting. Some cool things on there to, to know about. Oh, also, folks, half of Canadians plan to look for a new job this year. Wow. Why is that? Well, our friends at Robert Half will let us know later on in Hour 2, right here on Kelly and Ramya. Well, we do a book of the month. We read it and hope that you'll read along with us, folks. It's always a lot of fun. And Ramya, we've had two months to read our current book. Can you fill us in so people know what we're doing? Yeah, that's right. You may not have decided to read this book during the holidays. I don't necessarily blame you if you know the title, Misery by Stephen King. It's not necessarily a holiday read, but anyways, it is, <laughs> it is an interesting book. It was released uh, just over a decade ago in 2002, and it was recommended to us by an AMI colleague and friend of ours, Jacob Shymansky. So he's going to join us to discuss this book at the end of the month, but we hope you'll read along with us. It is available in human-narrated audio on the Center for Equitable Library Access. You can visit selalibrary.ca for that version. Also, it's available on Audible. Misery Chastain was dead. Paul Sheldon had just killed her with relief, with joy. 
Misery had made him rich, and uh, she was the heroine of his string of bestsellers, and now he wanted to get on to some real writing. That's when the car accident happened, and he woke up in pain in a strange bed, but it wasn't a hospital. Annie Wilkes had pulled him from the wreckage, brought him to her remote mountain home, splinted and set his mangled legs. The good news was that Annie was a nurse and has pain-killing drugs. The bad news was that she was Paul's number one fan. And when she found out that Paul, what Paul had done to Misery, she didn't like it. She didn't like it at all. Now he had to bring Misery back to life or else. So this is kind of the synopsis of the book. It leaves a lot because there's so much more to this book. It'll be a reread for myself and Kelly, and we're really looking forward to discussing it on Kelly and Ramia, January 31st, which is the last Tuesday of the month, which is when we have our regular book club meeting. That'll be fun. Uh, thank you, Jacob, too, for the recommendation. And ladies and gentlemen, we always want to hear from you. So uh, we'll stick around. We'll give you our info where you can let us know what maybe you might want to recommend so we can get you on here with us for our book club. But in the meanwhile, enter now for a uh, Temper Pro Adapt mattress. Folks, this is the giveaway that we're uh, doing to launch our program this week. Tempur-Pedic mattresses are designed with one-of-a-kind temper material to precisely adapt to your weight, shape, and temperature, offering unmatched comfort and support. We want you to go ahead and enter. Now, if you want those rules and uh, the complete details on everything of what you're to do, go to ami.ca slash krcontest. Absolutely want you on board with this. We're really excited be to, to have them on board with us to uh, give this wonderful prize away. And hopefully, ladies and gentlemen, you have till uh, February 8th to get in on this. Then the draw will be made. Hopefully that you're that person who will get an opportunity to actually uh, actually win it. Rum, we wish everybody good luck, right? Wish everybody good luck. And we live vicariously and get this mattress vicariously through you because we can't enter. Oh, yeah, and every time we mention it, you know, you got AMI staff up and down saying, Reminder. Hey, how can I? Yeah. Mm, for sure. And I know the term comes out all the time when we do one of these great contests like this. I wonder if there's a loophole somewhere. <laughs> how can I get in on it? Friends and family? And for AMI people, no. yeah, maybe. But I wonder how removed, twice removed or what? Do you, do you stand to be able to qualify for this? Don't know. <laughs> but... To all those who do enter, good luck and uh, looking forward to being able to announce a winner in early February right here on the program. Again, you have until February 8th to get in on this. We're going to step aside for a couple of minutes, folks. Coming up next, is crying actually good for you? Hmm. We're going to discuss it with reporter Grant Hardy when he joins us in his headline segment right in a couple of moments here on Kelly and Rumya. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Welcome back to the program. Glad to have you on board with us. We're here weekdays from 2 to 4 p.m. Eastern. And remember, ladies and gentlemen, repeats of the program, too. Uh, 10 p.m. And 6 a.m. That bright and early time. I love that time. That's when I get the, the most work done, as long as there's enough coffee. And hey, do you actually uh, remember Rumya. that, or do you do the math every time? No, I remember it. No way. Oh, I yeah. don't remember it. I still can't. Well, you, you, 
And you know what's beautiful? We're on AMI-audio and AMI-TV at the same mm -hmm. time, so that's like, Perfect. just makes it easy. I think when they were putting it together, they said, well, Rami and Kelly, uh, yeah, let's put the, make the times the same. Make it easy um, for them. Have, have you started reading our book? I mean, rereading it, excuse uh, no. me. No, I haven't. No. I have to wait wow. until the second half, um, especially for rereads, because it'll just... Oh, really? Okay. Yes. Why, though? Because I can't retain it. It ah. won't feel... You know what I mean? Like, you can't remember yeah. the character names, and you keep trying to pull it back from some faraway memory. If I read another book before the book of the month, uh, it's yep. just not a, It's not fresh enough. Uh, will it blend? Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, and will you actually in things read from other this together? Books. I know when we're talking and answering questions, it'll all be that kind of like, hey, man, this seems familiar. Uh, do, do you actually reread it or just skip through? No, I'll reread it. Okay. Yeah, all right. for the details. How I'll, about you, though? Because it's been a while since you read. Mine was a recent Yeah, read. but I've, I've seen the play. Right. I've seen, of course, the movie and the book I've read once, maybe twice on that one accidentally, right? Accidentally. I think I might have gotten it a second time. Couldn't remember if I read it because I never do that. Okay. I wonder if our next guest has actually ventured into reading it. So let's bring in Grant Hardy to talk headline news. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy and welcome to the headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. So uh, do you, if we're talking about a book, Grant Hardy, will you go back and reread it, especially in the case of something like our book club? Oh, dude, I actually, I love reading, but I typically have this bad habit of just rereading stuff that I've already read. So my partner <laughs> will mistake? be like... No. No, 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 man. Oh, uh, God. On purpose. So my partner will be talking to me and it'll be like... Like, what book are you reading? Oh, I'm just rereading this book for, like, the eighth time. Oh, great. How many right. new books have you read this year? New? Um. That's, that's crazy. <laughs> uh, so, got to get out of that habit. I, I tried to explain to Ramya, if she didn't keep rereading Harry Potter, she might actually be able to read 14 books uh, in a year. Wrong person to complain to. Grant is a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> <laughs> so, Grant, that's what happens. I think that's your way of saying, well, I'm really actually just rereading the Harry Potter stuff. Mm -hmm. Wow. Um, I'm, I'm not good at rereading stuff, especially if it, once I start and I catch on, oh, I've read this, goodbye. Um, sir, you've got headlines for us. We do this on Wednesdays at the beginning of the program. Uh, what, where are we starting today? So we're starting today with uh, an article from Best Health, which is talking all about the science behind tears. Now, we all know there are a variety of tears. We may cry when we chop up onions. We may cry on a high pollen count day. I just shed a bunch of tears when I learned that I'm not eligible for the mattress contest. Right. All that time. Sure you did. Days. I knew it. Uh, yep. You you get the point. Uh, yep. They're all tears, but it turns out they're different. And researchers have identified three main types. There are basal tears. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. B-A-S-A-L, which keep our eyes lubricated and protect the cornea from infection and reflex tears, which we cry in response to physical triggers like smoke, dust, or pungent smells. They make up the majority of the 50 to 100 liters we produce on average every year. Uh, but uh, there's a third grouping called emotional tears, the crying that comes with strong emotions, whether that's deep sadness and grief or extreme happiness and joy. And they may offer the biggest health benefits because they release oxyto 
oxytocin and endogenous opioids, aka endorphins, those feel-good chemicals that help ease both physical and emotional pain. Emotional tears actually contain higher levels of stress hormones than basal or reflex tears, and they also contain more mood-regulating manganese, which is a trace mineral necessary for healthy brain and nerve function. And basically, when you reduce them, your parasympathetic nervous system is also activated, which lowers heart and breathing rates, lowers blood pressure, and restores the body to a state of balance. So essentially, when people complain that others are, you know, people sort of tear shame you by saying you're weak or, you know, whatever, we actually have the science to prove that not only is it natural, it actually makes you stronger to cry. So how do you like that? I love it. Are you guys, are you guys, uh, I mean, oh, this is I'm a crier. I'll tell you I'm a crier <laughs> sometimes. Um, yeah. How about you, Kelly? I'm um, trying to peg oh, you as either a crier or oh, not, I've, but I don't want to make assumptions. Oh, no, I've always been a crier. I, I get that definitely from my parents, you know, watch something and start crying yep. or just just be sad about something, you know, like not, you know, something you feel really bad's going on or, or you know, I try to not always, you know, when you're younger and you internalize everything somebody does that has absolutely zero to do with you, but I wonder why they feel that way, you know, and you, you take it upon yourself or the sympathetic tears, you know, oh my goodness, I feel bad, yes. but you want to be strong when being supportive, right? You don't want to be, you know, someone with a problem and they're, you know, they're trying to making you feel better because you're, I'm so mm -hmm. sorry you're in a bad situation. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly it. Go ahead, Romeo. Oh, empathy makes me cry all the time. All the time. And like, I, I can think of various examples, even on our show, and I don't want to mm. say this too loud. I don't want people to listen to this, but really that, like, subjects have come up. People have shared such vulnerable parts of mm. themselves with us, and I have, you know, broken down either in the moment or later on even just thinking about, you know, how much of an emotional show it was, and I definitely cry. Like, even if it's not always sobbing, I... Tearjerker. Like, everything... Everything makes me want to cry, and uh, I'm more uh, like that on the breaks. I, I you know, yeah. I'm able to hold it together during the show enough, oh, no, but that's on the skill. break or afterward, that's where <laughs> that's you know. And I think I utilize what they're telling us to yeah. focus and where I am and what I'm doing. Now that you know, there's a camera over there. Yeah. You know, and again, mm. going back to there's nothing wrong with crying, right? If you're, you're that kind of person, and I've had people say, well, you and your emotions, you know, mm -hmm. I've had buddies of mine say, good gosh, Kelly. And I, I wouldn't trade it for anything in the world. And thankfully, I was raised that way. Certain movies. Yeah. I don't know about you guys, oh, but certain TV, mm -hmm. I won't even watch with other people because I just know this is going to be a bad one, guys. Like anything with dogs and good dog stories, bad dog stories, cats, like I, I can't. It, it's just so hard to hold it together. I've seen my mom uh, cry over the years, you, too, like you said, Kels, and I think that that's what made it so normal for me. Like, oh, she cries during movies. I will, too. But it's so awkward when you're sobbing because, you know, the dog saved somebody's life. And... <laughs> Nobody Any else. movie come to mind? Any movie come to mind, guys? The most recent one I'm thinking of is like uh, I think it's called Heartstrings. It's a series by Dolly Parton on Netflix, and every episode is brutal. And also, uh, This Is Us for bad reasons. Like it's too emotional. Everyone's going through horrible trauma on that show. I uh, I think when we were doing AMI at the movies, 
I Am Sam is the one oh, that gosh, I watched yeah. and really struggled. I cried watching that. How about you, Grant? Do you know what? I'm not actually a huge movie person, so I can't think of anything off the top of my head. Uh, but I will say that uh, I do find it really fascinating that, you know, as I've started working on this show in particular, because I think this show is, you know, this this is not hard news. We're kind of a lifestyle mm-hmm. health, maybe a little bit, quote unquote, quote, lighter show. But what's interesting is those vulnerable moments like Ramia says, get shared in a show like this. And I think it's because hard news is unusual. It's unique for being different. But this show really talks about people's sort of everyday and everyday things that people experience. And I think that's why sprinkled in with the laughs and and the banter is why we do get some of those powerful and vulnerable moments. Did you I'm find sorry. did you find with ATW the you know, the stories sometimes would get to you and again you're in the field when you were shooting stories out there in Vancouver and then all of a sudden you know you're dealing with something so again probably like the way I feel I can hold it together for a little while but afterward or even when you're researching the story you're like oh my goodness this one's going to be hard Yeah absolutely in fact I think part of the evolution of uh journalism is you know, realizing that it's not about you, you know, when you're in that zone where you're sort of thinking about the logistics of the shoot and the structure of the story and the structure of the mm-hmm. interview and, and yada, yada. But as you kind of move on and become more seasoned, you realize that it really is much more about the gas than it is about me. And mm-hmm. at, at that point, it's, definitely a lot easier to experience uh those uh really powerful moments that people hope to open up every day to us and share well we're very lucky to have you with us grant grant joining our team in the last little while before we made this uh, uh um, evolution to doing simulcast with tv and ami audio wonderful to have uh, to be working with them and bring that experience from uh, when you were uh, a reporter on ami this week your next piece sir Okay, so we've talked about this phenomenon of quiet quitting where people stick with their jobs, but they just do the bare uh, requirements of the role in order to avoid burnout. Mm -hmm. But there's also a phenomenon called quiet firing that can have the opposite effect. (laughs) Okay. Uh, I I better better double check here. No, I think I'm okay. Uh, It's when employers subtly compel staff members to leave their jobs to avoid the messy formalities of having to fire them. So the term can be used in several different contexts. One Mm. is where employers basically make the workplace such a difficult environment that the employee feels that they have no choice but to leave. So for example, the employee may be overlooked for promotion or their hours may be reduced, or they may uh, simply no longer be scheduled, or their schedule may be reduced. Your boss might say something like, okay, you have to hold a meeting, but then they might micromanage that meeting or Mm. uh, kind of undermine you. Um, Interestingly, people who work outside of those office jobs, like people uh, who work in uh, restaurants, they are still vulnerable to this because they may be underscheduled. They may be moved to an environment, for example, where you go from receiving lots of tips 
to not receiving right. as many or any tips. Now, there, there are basically a couple approaches here. I'm not a lawyer, of course, to disclaimer, this is just from my research. Uh, but essentially, uh, one kind of quiet firing is where the employer simply becomes disengaged with you, and that may not be actionable. However, if there's a marked change to your responsibilities or your compensation, uh, and you have the tools, possibly the money, we know sometimes it takes money, and you just want to pursue it, it might be worth contacting an employment lawyer just to uh, see what can be done um but that is essentially quiet firing in a nutshell is this um similar to like i used to hear a lot of stuff back in the day about being phased out or is that really just like if you're in leadership and being phased out you know somebody's there to somebody's being uh trained to take over without actually putting anything on paper but you can feel it you know it yeah, I think it's one of those things where um, your the goal is to eventually fire you, uh-huh. um, but to do it kind of without that paper trail yes. and without that messy business, uh, which interestingly is another point uh, as well. They say keep a paper trail, contact HR if you feel like, whoa, you're not u- utilizing me to my full potential, my responsibilities are changing, this isn't working for me, offer solutions as well, uh, but really keep that paper trail as well. Awesome. Well, Grant, this is great. <laughs> I've been an expert at this. AMI has been t- you know, hinting and hinting and hinting for 20-some-odd years. I just pretend I don't hear anything. And then uh, they Grant, put you on joining TV? You said it. You said wow. it, not me. I didn't say anything. Let's look at the scramble, eh? No, I wasn't mean. I didn't say it. Let me Take distance me off, myself Cam. from this yeah. guy. <laughs> Grant Hardy with the latest uh, trending headlines. He's our reporter out in Vancouver right here on Kelly and Rumya. We will be back in a couple of moments, and it's time to do a little more TV discussion. Greg David, he's going to give us a little chat about the new and all of the returning TV shows that we have to look forward to in the next uh, few weeks, I would say. He's with us in two minutes right here on Kelly and Rumya. Something new. Kelly and Rumya return with more in a moment. Wherever you're checking us out, folks, from listening in anywhere around the world, maybe at uh, AMI-audio or over there at AMI.ca, or watching us on TV, hi, nice to have you on board with us. Kelly and Rumya here, bringing you through another couple of hours of programming today. Rum, what's on deck? Well, we like to talk TV. We started talking a little TV in the last segment about how much we cry mm-hmm. over TV, but I hope we don't continue with mess. that thread. We'll see. We're talking television with our communication specialist, Greg David, every other week here on the show. I'm Greg David, and I love TV. Join me on Kelly and Ramya, where we talk about the biggest hits, misses, and trends in television and entertainment. I was obviously being sarcastic. Greg, do you cry watching TV? 
Yes, I do. Um, I was laughing when you were talking during the last segment about that because I'm really uh, a sucker for some of the emotional moments in television. Yeah. And you know what's funny is when um, Kara Nye, of course, who's in charge of, of production here at AMI, uh, she shared a video of the countdown of the first episode of Kelly and Ramya from the um, from the view of the you know the broadcast facility, counting down those ten seconds till you guys debuted. And just watching that video, I had a lump in my throat. Oh so my that gives you an idea of how easy it is yeah. for me to be emotional no it's great i love when other people share that because i'm the same way you know i'm out here trying not to cry and getting on television <laughs> yeah. right so yeah high five high five well it's nice to have you on this is our first time having you on the show uh, as we move to tv and of course continue to simulcast on ami audio but it's uh, an every other week adventure as we talk television and this time we're talking about um some new and some returning shows back to tv as we go into the new year so the cbc mm-hmm. was the first out of the gate with new season seasons of established TV series. Give us a scoop on this. Yeah, happy to. Uh, the second season of Son of a Critch returned. Nice. Uh, we talked about this show before. It's based on the life of Canadian hum- humorist Mark Critch, and uh, it follows him growing up in St. John's as a, as a kid. Uh, he's he's 11 years old, but he's a lot more mature than that. Uh, he looks he has a, a, a strange and interesting outlook on life. Uh, he uses his comedy and self deprecation to win friends and to connect with a small collection of people in St. John's, Newfoundland. Uh, it really is all about him being a fish out of water. He's into his second year now in high school, so he has made a few friends, but he's definitely on the outs. So that's a Son of a Critch on CBC. Did and you read the, the final... book, by the way? No, I haven't. Uh, you know, it's one of those ones oh, that it's on my book. It's on my oh, book case. Yes, yeah, CBC sent it to me, and I need to read it. And maybe I'll, uh, I'll, we can talk about it um, in an upcoming episode of Audiobook Review. So I definitely, that'll oh. put the pressure on me to read it. Right, you can come um, on I next tell week. You, that is the best. The, <laughs> the audiobook is, he does a great job Absolutely. with it. Absolutely. But Rum, does he do, it is the first year, isn't it? That mainly with the schooling, with the, that yeah. we cover. So this is going to be exciting with the TV doing second year. I mean, he jumps all over the place, but right. our focus as a child is the first year uh, in, in the book. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Right. And he does a lot more of his childhood days and a lot less of after he gets into high school and uh, post-secondary and theater days. So this is a, I'm curious about the TV. Oh, perfect. Okay, so yeah, you can check out Son of a Critch on CBC and CBC Gem right now. Um, some of the other shows uh, include the final season of Work and Moms, which kicked off last week. That's created by uh, Catherine Reitman, and it's run for seven seasons on CBC. And it tells the often funny stories of a group of female friends balancing being mothers and having careers. And like I said, uh, both of those shows, Son of a Critch and Work and Moms, air Tuesdays. I guess I didn't say that. They both there Tuesdays on CBC. So those are the two. Um, Run the Burbs is back for a second season. We talked about this when it debuted. It was created by Andrew Fung, who starred on Kim's Convenience. And this one depicts life in the suburbs, uh, complete with oddball neighbors and a loving family that always go big and have each other's back. Um, I believe, I think you checked out Run the Burbs, didn't you, during the first season, Ramya? Mm-mm. I'm a working okay. moms fan, though. 
Okay, That's working. Probably, so yeah. what have you? So have you been watching Working Moms from the very beginning? And if so, Absolutely. what have been your thoughts? So what's your thoughts on the evolution of the show? It's amazing. It's incredible. Catherine Reitman. I've heard like obviously you you feel her her personality. Her she's the star as well, or one of the yep. moms of the show. Um, so you feel her throughout the show. The writing is impeccable. The humor is hilarious. The pacing. It's like everyone is just so good. Um, I'd say each season is unique for its own reasons. Like it's yeah. at the beginning, you're kind of getting to know them still. And then there are seasons where, you know, there's focus on different moms for different uh, situations that they're going through and experiences. But also mm -hmm. as they evolve as friends, you know, how do you keep in touch with each other as all this chaos is going on in your own families? Um, so I, I recommend it. It's very good. Yeah, I, and I love your your analysis and your assessment of the show. I think that you're dead on with that. Um, the uh, the other show that I wanted to mention uh, kick, that kicked off last week was season three of Pretty Hard Cases, and this follows two female detectives in the in their early 40s. Sam is uptight. She's played by Meredith McNeil. She's uptight and she's by the book. And Kelly, uh, who was on Orange Is the New Black, uh, she plays a streetwise narcotics de detective. And the two of them might uh, drive each other crazy, but they also appreciate each other's strengths and now in this third season they're really it's really kind of become a buddy comedy uh the two of them are just great their characters just jump off the screen uh so two uh other uh, you know two other uh worthwhile cbc comedies that you can be checking out pretty hard cases and run the burbs both are available on cbc on wednesdays uh, but if you need to catch up you can check out all of those cbc shows on cbc gem because they're available on the free app oh do you have um favorite location that these are you know shot in I, I always used to like that I liked information when I could see a bit more I, I liked what things I could catch that they would show do you have a favorite yeah, for me, it's been working moms. Um, you know, the fun is that they shoot on location a lot. So, you know, Toronto becomes a, kind of the star of the show, although they never really mention Toronto as the city where they're based. Uh, but I always I, I always have a lot of fun, you know, checking out those backgrounds and trying to figure out, oh, they were shooting at U of T that day or, you know, they're they're uh, you know, they're in Bloor West Village today uh, when they were filming those scenes. I, I always like to play that game with myself, figure out where they are in Canada and get excited about it. Nice. Awesome. So one of the most anticipated new series of the winter is a reboot of Night Court. Now, the original sitcom aired in the 1980s. Uh, what can you tell us about this new version? Yeah, I mean, Kelly, I think you would remember must-see TV on Thursday nights, and nights on NBC, and Night Court was, yeah, was part crazy. of that along with the Cosby Show, Family Ties, and Cheers, and then it finished off with Night Court. So this version of Night Court picks up by following Judge Abby Stone. She is the daughter of the late Harry Stone, and she follows in her father's footsteps by becoming a judge, and she presides over, yes, the night shift of a Manhattan arraignment court and tries to bring order to its crew of oddballs and cynics. And an interesting note, that makes me want to tune in and watch it right off the bat is John LaRoquette, who won awards for his character of Dan Fielding. He is back on board for this project, and you can check out the debut of the new and improved Night Court next Tuesday, January the 17th on NBC. Kelly, because you watched the original, I believe, or at least remember it, your thoughts on this reboot? Is it needed? Um, I, I would say... <laughs> No, because I wasn't a fan, but people right. loved it, and I know people will adapt to it. I'm anxious to see, as we fast forward 30 years, how different. What, what yeah. do you do to make it change? Um, 
John Larroquette, like, I mean, people just loved what he was doing as yep. Dan, and every single individual in there had their own persona. I, you know, people would talk about the show, and I just, when it first was, um, well, doing what we're doing now, when I first ever heard the show preview, it was like, are you, are you kidding me? And then yeah. when I'd watch it, it was just, it was more of stuff that I just found for me, yeah, I didn't like that comedy stuff, but people love sitting in front of the TV and laughing at that. And I, I don't know how much was the connection of you started to get all that other court TV with Judge Wapner right. and everybody at the time. I, I think this was that way of you being able to laugh at court in some particular way and these neat characters. And no matter what you're talking about, the, the back and forth so quick anytime you have a group of people like that on a, in a scenario like this. Yeah, absolutely. Greg? We have other reboots coming as well, uh, yeah. reboots of older programs. So the Fox sitcom That 80s Show is back for a new generation, and it's called That 90s Show. So it's yeah. on Netflix. I don't know if they're ever going to end this, but is the original cast back? Let's start there. Yeah, absolutely. The original cast is back, which I think is probably the high point of of this version of the show, that 90s show. Uh, it's the summer of 1995, and Leah Foreman makes friends with a new generation of Point Place kids while visiting her grandparents, Red and Kitty, in Wisconsin. So Kurtwood Smith and Deborah Jo Rupp are back as Red and Kitty, as well as Laura Prepon, Topher Grace, Wilmer Valderrama, and Mila Kunis all back on board for that 90s show. Um, uh, and uh, it debuts Thursday, January the 19th on Netflix. I can't remember if it's, I think it's going to be all the episodes debuting all at once and available on Netflix. Um, but yeah, I mean, as we get into this, you're it, it's a lot of reboots that are taking place right now in winter television. Not sure whether that 80s show needed to be rebooted, but uh, here we are uh, at, with that 90s show kicking off next week. Mm. Are people still claiming that uh, there's not a lot of creativity in television anymore, at least? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's fair. I, you know, we talk about this all the time, the yes. fact that, you know, you have a built-in audience for these shows like Night Court and, and uh, Magnum yep. P.I., which we're going to talk about in a, in a second. Uh, yeah, if you have a built-in audience that you could attract to your show, then uh, then why not have them on? Sure. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, Greg, one of the funniest things about Magnum P.I. is it reminds me of stuff that used to go on, especially in radio when a show was dropped by one network, picked up by another. Uh, yeah. Last year, you were on the program to talk about Magnum P.I., one of the most popular shows on CBS, which was suddenly, unceremoniously, cancelled, only to be picked up by NBC. It returns in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, on a new night and a new network, like you said, Magnum P.I. is going to air Sundays beginning on February the 19th. So we're still about a month away, over a month away for that. It stars Jay Hernandez as Thomas Magnum, a private investigator and former Navy SEAL who solves crimes in Hawaii. And uh, yeah, it's a reboot of the original series um, with Tom Selleck. It was created by Donald P. Belisario and Glenn A. Larson, and it ran from 1980 to 1988. And uh, yeah, uh, just an interesting story, like you said, Kelly. It was dumped by CBS. Um, they said that it was because of costs, and NBC said, thank you very much. We will pick up those costs, and we will bring uh, one of the most popular shows in primetime over to our network. So it's a, it's a win for NBC because they're going to be grabbing those millions of fans who were watching the reboot on CBS in the first place. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I guess so, If and especially if it continues its reputation that it had on CBS before, right? And then it's just a, a bonus. Yeah, they won't be changing the formula at all because it was a winning formula mm -hmm, for exactly. uh, several years on CBS. Yeah. Okay, as we get further into the winter, Greg, what else, what other shows should we be keeping an eye on? 
Well, if you're a Star Wars fan like I am, the new season of The Mandalorian is going to be launching March 1st on Disney+. Plus. Uh, new episodes of that show are going to follow The Mandalorian as he digs deeper into his past and vi- revisits his home planet. Uh, if you're a fan of The Voice, it's going to be back with new singers trying to make it big in front of famous singer-songwriters. That kicks off March the 6th on NBC. And one of the biggest TV series of 2022, Yellow Jackets, returns on March March the 26th on HBO Canada, and it follows the overlapping stories of a group of women who reflect back on their time when a small plane that they were in crashed in uh, in a secluded uh, part of Canada and what happened to them after they were rescued. I will use one word cannibalism oh yes that did occur and uh and we know that already and uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the they get into the storylines in the second season of yellow jackets really really great first season of that show so i'm excited when that returns at the end of march wow what a way to get canceled off a show you talk that that show ate me alive (laughs) oh boo (laughs) you mentioned orange is the new black sorry to catch you off guard but is that still going uh, no, so there are no more okay. new seasons of Orange is the New Black. Uh, those cast members have all moved on to other things. Uh, like I said, mm-hmm. Adrian Moore is now part of uh, a Pretty Hard Cases. But, I mean, I remember back when Orange is the New Black kicked off on Netflix, and mm-hmm. it was like the very first somewhat comedic series that Netflix was was uh, was showing. And that, I think you could credit Orange is the New Black with the show, the show that really got Netflix off the ground and got people subscribing to it because it was such a great wow. show. And uh, because of the buzz around it, that uh, that got all the people uh, all of the people to sign up for subscriptions all right well uh not anymore but it's it's still great because netflix is out there greg thank you so much and the cast is too everywhere that's true thanks for thanks for having me greg david joining us every other week on wednesdays to talk all things television always a lot of fun and especially when we talk the reboots which folks reboots have been around forever right coming up next on the program we get our first visit of the week with bill shackleton he's here and we'll get into some items that he brings to our attention we call the segment the buzz and we talk to him a few times a week please stick around we'll uh, introduce you to bill right after this Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Catch the Pulse, folks, this Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time on AMI-audio. This week... Joita talks about the Holland Blue Review Online Disability and Sexuality Hub with Dr. Amy McPherson and artist Wesley McGee Saxton. That's The Pulse this Thursday at 1.30 p.m. Eastern, 10.30 a.m. Pacific Time, right on AMI-audio and also available on your uh, favorite podcast platform and YouTube. Kelly McDonald here, hanging out at the home studio, London, Ontario, with Ramya Muthan. And we'd like to, for the first time this week, and in the new year, as a matter of fact, Rum, welcome in Bill Shackleton. How you doing, Shackadoodle? Nice to have you on board. Doing good. Doing good. Life treating you all right? Uh, so far, so good. The new year uh, came in well? Uh, came in well. Um, Earth's early days yet, so hopefully we can mm. keep the thing going. You still got your New Year's resolutions going? Hey, Billy, I have a question hey. for you. Does, What's that? Uh, is Kelly the only one who calls you Shackadoodle? 
Or is that a thing? Yeah, I think so. Okay. <laughs> Just that I remember. Most people know better. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> You know, that'd be kind of cool, eh, Billy? Shack-a-doodle, shack. I think it was originally shack, right? Well, because of the song Sugar Shack, you know, a lot oh, of people yeah. called me, you know, that Jimmy, I think it was Jimmy Gilmore, or, or I don't know. I, I can't remember. Yeah. But I love that song. It's a good song. And yeah, yeah, and I think, remember uh, running down the shack, uh, the track, Here Comes Shack. Oh, right? that yeah. Was, boy, uh, oh, boy, did I really, Eddie Shack. Eddie Shack, that was his tune, right? The late Eddie Shack. That was wild, yeah. right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, Mr. Uh, Billy, where are we starting today? Which item? I'm going to do this one. Um, new guidelines use drugs, surgery early for obesity in kids. So basically, uh, new guidelines in the U.S. that were announced, I believe, on Monday suggests mm -hmm. that kids 12 and older um, use can use drugs and surgery for kids 13 and over. These guidelines, I think, are are extremely important. Um, you know, obesity affects over 14 million kids, and you know the I've I've talked about guidelines before, and I wonder how many people pay attention to them. But the, we we are. Is, in my humble opinion, we've been treating obesity the wrong way. Not, not all of us, but so many people have been treating it as a social problem. So it's like it's your own fault. Mm. And it's mm -hmm. like when you go to a when you go to a doctor when you're a kid. Well, you know, you all you got you got to lose weight. Now we're not we're not saying that you don't follow, um, you know, nutrition and exercise. But I'm I'm very glad to see. <clears throat> that we are finally coming around to the fact that obesity is inherited. It is a disease. It is not necessarily your fault. And we need to treat it. If you have to treat it with drugs, for heaven's sake, treat it with the drugs. Um, mm. if, if it takes I think we've more, used the scapegoat, get, right, Billy? Yeah, we, we've used oh, the blame yes. thing as our yeah, way of not yeah. dealing with it, that a person just needs to be more active. When there are a lot of people, once they get older, we know it's even tougher to lose weight. But if it's a battle you've had all your life, you know, it's kind of funny because you want to stop and say, well, if the person's been trying since they were 10 and they're 40 years old, something's not working out. They mm -hmm. need some extra supports, or we work on it from the beginning. But the reality is, like you said, Bill, if your family is disposed to it, what can you do? It's kind of like avoiding exactly. other health conditions. We, we, we don't hold that against people. We understand that sometimes things run in families, and we understand, well, you can't penalize someone because, oh, yeah, well, it's just a family you're in. Mm -hmm. Well, truly, I marvel at the combination of things that go wrong or aren't mm, taken mm. care of, aren't dealt with, uh, that we're ignorant to. And I say we as in like the people, the general public, but also our healthcare professionals uh, that end up adding to all these health issues and one of the symptoms being obesity, right? Like that's just yep. one problem. Like we're not even looking at the full system of issues that are going on and what can contribute to that. Is it our food? Like you said, uh, Billy, is it our diet? Is it our exercise levels? Is there anything further that we're not looking into? Genetic disposition, hormones? So I'm reading this book called In the Flow by Elisa Vitti and it is packed with information about hormones, and this is uh, catered for, for women, and there's a lot of conversation about obesity in women, PCOS, other diagnoses that are really just, at the root, hormonal challenges, 
and that impacting our, our body shapes, our moods, or everything else, you know? And so we could be eating the right way and exercising, but our hormones are working against us, and do we even know enough about this to diagnose what the root problem is and the causes? So, yeah, like, obesity is a huge problem, especially in North America, and um, oftentimes we can blame our diets for it because, let's just face it, our diets are not great, but is that all? You yeah. wonder, and what you are we going to do about it in any case to support and help? Yeah. Sorry, go ahead, Bill. I was going to say, um, and some of the drugs, like I, 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 the problem I think the, the doctors have had is that there's not a lot of these drugs. There's not a lot of, it's, I mean, how much do we know about them? And I guess there was a certain reluctance to actually use them. We all know about Ozempic and that sort of thing, but uh, right. there may be others that 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 their doctors are just sort of maybe reluctant to use or recommend. And there might be even yeah. reasons for that, right? Like we don't yeah. know the oh, side yeah. effects, or even if well, we do, are, yeah. is it okay to deal with that the side effects? Well, and you you talk a bunch of these are for sugar control for people who mm. have uh, you know diabetes, but are being used elsewhere. I know in other countries, uh, the United States, for example, there's a huge problem because so many people who are getting these meds for weight loss when they're meant to help sugar control for diabetics, yeah. and now diabetics are having trouble getting. The yes. meds they need in this capacity, they have to. Oh. The doctors have to be creative and do something else. Not to mention the coverage, Kels, just to even oh, get. Oh my good heavens! Yeah, yeah. any kind of drugs yeah. in the United States, and as an example. You certainly can't say, "Oh, this is well." In the states, you can. The, the doctors can say apparently that weight loss in Canada. You know, your health providers don't don't say that. Don't mm -hmm. tell your insurance that. Yeah, well, I, I'm I'm really glad that we're as Ramia you pointed out. We're looking at the the real reasons and the hormonal thing and all this sort of thing that, um, as as it's turning out to be, people are realizing that it isn't that that it is a pro that it, it's it's not a social thing. It's not your fault. Oh, gosh, and I think no. we need to do more of that. Look, look into exactly. it. Exactly. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Billy, what's your next item? Here's another one. <clears throat> Pay transparency may affect your job search. Another oh. one from the Associated Press. I kind of like this one. So in several states, not all, um, employers are required. Again, the laws are pretty convoluted. But in some states, they are required to post what the upper and lower um, salary limits of positions are. And I'm going to tell you why that that I don't think this law goes far enough. But basically what it is, when you go into it, when you're looking for a job, you'll be in certain states, of course, you'll be able to determine what your the pay salary is going to be. Now, normally when you go into a job interview, you are, the applicant is told, right, how much you're going to be earning. Right. And and sometimes the, the, the but, but now the other employees in a company can sort of say, well, how much is that position paid? What are these people? What are these people paid? Now, this will not, um, as the article said, um, eliminate employment or, or or pay equity. But what it will do, hopefully, is spark conversation and maybe um, because some people are paid more, some people are paid less for the same position. And I'm going to get into why I think the law doesn't go far enough. And that is that when you go into a job, how do you know what the industry pays? 
how do you when, like when you you know in your job do you know how much you're worth and i think companies should be should have to post what the actual uh right. you know what 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 you are paid according to your job position in the industry which apparently they don't do it's just what your company no. posts it's what your company posts and then you have yeah. to go do your own research but i That's am right, glad right. that so many um mentors and organizations that help you with job recruitment and stuff like that are telling you that they're being transparent and saying go to Glassdoor or all these other website and resources to find out what people are getting paid. And then you use that information in the job interview to let the employer know that, you know, this is what you should be making, because that gives you a lot of you know, it gives you a leg up right in order to negotiate or to talk about what other flexibilities they're giving you. If it's not wages, is there something else that you can settle for? You know what I mean? Like, it, it is important that you know this information and not just the industry and uh, what people are getting paid at your job position, but in your locality, right? So someone mm -hmm. in Toronto yeah. may be making something completely different than someone in, I don't know, like a remote area in Alberta or something in the same job and position. And I think... You're also looking at the fact that then their expectation of you and what they know your expectation of them. So if you ask that question, because they'll tell you, ask in an interview what the pay scale is. Now, you may not right. do it at your first meeting. If you know there's going to be a couple of interviews that that's the cycle, they don't call you back for the second one. Uh, all right, it doesn't matter. But in the first one, you know, am I interested? Do I want to pursue? So at that point... If you want that second, if you like what it is, then you want to ask them, Billy. So I, I, I think it's so valuable and to do that research. But you do the research about everything, I think. Oh, I, I never did. I mean, yeah, maybe you do now, but maybe mm -hmm. back in my day, you just went into a job interview and, well, here's what you're paid. Oh, for the best, yeah. right? And yeah, especially yeah. as people with disabilities. Like, we haven't even put that on the table yet. But no, as people with no, disabilities, no. you you're... Um, probably facing all kinds of other biases along with just settling for whatever they give you and i don't think yeah, you that don't that want to undersell yourself yeah no 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 because you have skills anything else on that item bill um no not not really but i think i think the idea is that you will be able to it'll spark more it'll make you know people will discuss what they're paid more and maybe employers will even sort of even up the playing field mm -hmm. a little more yeah. Well, and we talk about people wanting, like we were talking earlier with Grant, about the quiet quitting or getting yourself oh, yeah. fired, basically, or being let go. But I have a feeling that that's really what a lot of these new conversations post-pandemic are really starting to occur, that people are saying, this is what I want. I don't want to put up with that. What are you that's paying right. me, by the way, if I take this job or for this position based on experience and you get it you get that they want that qualified person who has the skill i know as you mentioned the disability world we often do that underselling of ourselves because of lack of experience maybe we haven't had enough jobs and stuff like that so we don't put that value bill on us right yeah finding the self value is probably some of the hardest conversation you have with yourself you know it, it may be about your current job it may be what you're seeking um are you willing to sacrifice or you know understand yourself better for a position and go in with how much prep but definitely the value the value that you find in yourself will answer a lot of these questions for if you're going to fight for what you're worth and hopefully give you the confidence to ask those questions, to not be afraid of, well, if this one gets away, 
so be it. But right. again, that's a privileged position to be in, and and knowing yourself, your talent, and what you have to offer is really everything. Billy, thanks a lot, man. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll talk tomorrow. Bill Shackleton, he joins us Wednesday through Friday on the program for The Buzz, uh, where he brings a bunch of items for us to kick around and have a chat about. Always enjoyable. So join us tomorrow when Billy's back on the program. We got another hour of programming ahead that I hope you can stick around for, ladies and gentlemen. If not, check us out via the podcast, the Kelly and Romeo podcast, available from your favorite podcatcher. Coming up, folks, half of Canadians out there plan to look for a new job this year. Why is that? Our friends at Robert Half, they'll let us know. We meet one of our new contributors, Kevin Shaw, who will be joining us. He'll be talking to us about the new bi-weekly segment that we have on entrepreneurship. But up next, we welcome a new community reporter to the program. Stay tuned. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.